good to have you here for our missions weekend and looking forward to our time together. Thanks for being here on this Friday evening. I'm going to do a, a quick introduction of both the Hawthorns and the Beers, and I'm going to ask you to stand. Uh, Tim and Joy, if you'd stand. Tim and Joy Beers, they uh, are here from uh, Pennsylvania area, and they'll be sharing with us this weekend. Thank you, Tim and Joy. And then Mary and Steve Hawthorne. Uh, ministered in Bolivia for many years, and uh, they'll be sharing with us this evening. Now, what I'm going to do here is give a an introduction about CMML. I hope you'll enjoy it. And Mickey, if you'd turn the lights out for us. And then immediately following that, we'll have an interview with Tim Marcy. Tim is a missionary to Japan that we have had here at the chapel several years ago. And we'll have just half the interview uh, another portion of this interview will be uh, broadcast at our Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, Dave Pugh will arrange for that. So looking forward to that. Let me get seated first, Nick. Don't put me in the dark completely. Individuals of every language, nation, tribe, and people group to look to Him and be saved. Two thousand years ago, the Lord charged His disciples to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. They went proclaiming that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. God desires everyone to be saved, and this good news is for everyone. But many have not heard. There are 3.2 billion people living today who have not heard the good news. That's a staggering 42.5% of the total world population. They haven't heard because no one has gone to them with a message. None have gone because none have been sent. How will they believe if they never hear? 101 years ago, this question burned in the hearts of the founders of Christian missions in many lands. On the heels of World War I and a global pandemic, the Lord began raising young people throughout North America to go and take the good news to distant lands. And they needed prayer, encouragement, and support. CMML was founded to create a way to meet these needs. Today, our vision and mission remain unchanged. CMML is committed to advancing the spread of the gospel. We do this by helping assemblies become engaged senders. We coach them through the process of sending their own to the mission field, including preparation, commendation, support, and oversight of their missionaries providing strategic and practical services that enable missionaries to be enabled servants, equipped with the necessary support to fulfill the work the Lord has called them to do. Encouraging believers of all ages, everywhere, to be enthusiastic supporters and to join the work Christ is doing throughout the world in building His church. We serve over 700 missionaries scattered throughout almost 80 countries. 
We serve the 180 U.S. commending assemblies that have sent out men and women from within their ranks. We serve more than 4,500 active donors and thousands of supporters who pray for and encourage those on the front lines. But what about those who have not yet heard? There's a section in CMML's Missionary Prayer Handbook that's unlike the others, called Special Areas. In some cases, full names and locations are missing. This section lists the men and women God has called to areas of the world where Christian ministry is not officially welcome. Some serve among unreached people groups. The vast majority of the unreached are concentrated in what is called the 1040 window, so named for the latitudinal lines that form a rectangle that frames 67 countries throughout North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. 18% of CMML's missionaries are currently serving in the 1040 window. 24% of missionary support has been sent into the 1040 window in the past 12 months. Much more can be done. Much more must be done. To highlight the needs of the unreached in 2023, we have added a new component to our missionary prayer handbook. Each day, not only can you pray for missionaries serving in various locations, but now you can also pray for a specific unreached people group from the 1040 window each day of the month. It is our prayer that this new component will urge the Lord's people to fervently pray to the Lord of the harvest to send new workers into the unreached harvest fields of our world. The Lord Jesus Christ's mission has not changed. He is still building his church from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The question today is, what is your role in Christ's mission? Are you a supporter? Are you a sender? Are you a servant? Will you go? How will you respond to the world's greatest need? How will you respond to our Lord's call? What will you do to advance the spread of the gospel globally? What is your role in God's mission? Chris, if you'd bring the lights back up for just a moment. Thank you. For those of you that were sharp-eyed, I think you saw Joy Logan there real quickly on the screen. Uh, I should say Joy Beer on the screen. And uh, other missionaries that we're familiar with that we've had here at Northern Hills. It was a real delight to see those. CMML is the conduit through which much of the funds that are sent to missions uh, go out through CMML to these various missionaries. And we thank the Lord for that organization. This month we had an interview with uh, one of the officers of CMML. And the business meeting and others were able to meet with him, speak with him, uh, through his presentation, we thank the Lord for the ministry of CMML. A real blessing to be with you and trust that this weekend will be an encouragement, not just to Phil and myself, but to everybody. Because here, the focus for the weekend is not about us. It's about the amazing God we've come to know and to love and in some incredible way to serve. He is worthy of everything. And I would just like to share, before I say something about Zambia and Africa, 
a couple of verses from his precious living word. And just in case you've never opened this book, be careful, it will change your life. You will never be the same again. If you come to this with an open mind, God's Spirit is there waiting and able to open your eyes to things that you would not believe. I'm going to read just briefly in Philippians tonight. And that's an amazing fact because the person who's writing these four chapters of Philippians was once the arch enemy of Christianity. He hated every mention of the name of Jesus Christ. So if you're totally opposed to God, that's no issue with God. He's quite capable of changing people. And praise God, he has changed a number of us here tonight by incredible grace. And he really lays out in a beautiful way this whole letter. It's all about one person, because the whole Bible is about one person, who is the written word, who became the living word, and he is our Savior and our Lord. And this is written by a man, by the way, he's in prison. He's struggling from the human perspective. He's in chains, but you see, they could chain his body, but they could not chain his soul. And it doesn't matter what the world tries to do to you and me, this outward, it's perishing. It's failing, it's temporary, but the inward is being renewed day by day. And here is this dear brother in the Lord in chapter 1. He will lay out, we won't go into the wonder of the gospel of Christ and the hope it gives to him to say, for me to live is Christ. What are we living for? What is the whole purpose of our life tonight? But I want to go into chapter 2, where flowing out of the gospel of Christ, you have the very mind, the attitude of Christ in our whole world is crying out today for the attitude, for the mind, the perspective, the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. And he introduces it for us in verse number 5. And without taking a huge amount of time, let me just read quickly verse 5. 6, 7, and 8. And if you've never read these verses before, may they speak right into your heart and soul tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let or allow this mind, this mindset, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, in Christian life, we always point to Christ. He's our example He's the author. He's the finisher. He is everything. And the writer says, if you want someone to follow, if you want an example for living, there is no greater example than Jesus Christ. Even the man off the street will accept that. There's something completely unique about the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you. Verse number six, I'm not going into depth here. We can at another time if you want that. Who being in the very form, the very essence of deity. This is someone who has no beginning and who has no end. 
There is no beginning to his power. There is no end to his power. There is no beginning to his wisdom or holiness. There is no end to his wisdom and holiness. This is the eternal, amazing God who is specifically interested in every individual in this world. And here he is. He did not consider it something to reach out for, to grasp after or to hold on to the fact that he is divine. But what does he do? Verse number 7, he made himself of no reputation. Can I just stop for a moment? This is the God who created the world in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created. He made everything. John 1 is so clear. Verse number 3. Without him there was not anything made that has been made. And yet here in Philippians, he, this same one who made everything, made himself nothing. Now you have a big issue. Because there is so much design that cries out for a God, a designer in our universe. But I'm not going to seek to attract you tonight to the incredible creator God. I want to attract you to one who is awesome in his love and in his humility and in his servant character. You see, this is a message that no other philosophy or religion even comes close to. We have a God, and by the way, people claim he's not there. They've searched the heavens. They need to wake up. The heavens are just the garden of God. You need to go beyond the heavens to get into the very home of God because he set his glory, his throne above the created universe. He lives outside of time and space, but he not only humbles himself, Psalm 113, to behold, to look down and see the things in his created universe. In the New Testament, that same one who humbled himself to behold, he humbled himself to become. He stepped into his created universe that's broken, that's hurting, that's unfixable to be its answer and its need. He made himself of no reputation. Apologies, I don't really fear I'm from the West any longer. The West is all about me and mine, what I'm doing, my self-image, all this sort of thing. Dear friend, wake up to the fact you're passing, you're transient. That will never satisfy you. You see, the one thing for which you were created and I were created is to come face to face with this awesome reality of a living, powerful and loving God who personally for you made himself of no reputation. Now, how are you going to respond to such a love like that? I cannot call your name out tonight because I probably don't know most of the names here. But you just imagine, I'm going to take my wife for an example. The Lord Jesus says, Joy Elizabeth Beer, I love you so, so much. I am willing to step out of my heaven above the created universe to make myself a king? No. To make myself a bondservant, a slave. To prove the immensity of my love and my concern for you. You see, we're in a hurting, broken world. And the one answer is true, genuine love. And love is a force, a power in the universe that will do things that nothing else can do. 
You see, we're so much into retribution and revenge and it's just this ongoing cycle. But God breaks into that cycle, the only one who has the right to take revenge. And he says, first I'm going to show you incredible, immaculate, eternal love. And I'm going to make myself to be of no reputation. Go into the details. When he was born, where was he born? How was he born? This is the creator of the universe. He made himself of no reputation. He stripped himself of everything that was his by right in terms of the fame, the honor, the glory, and the praise. He made himself of no reputation. Well, dear friend, that's stoop number one. That was an incredible stoop from heaven's throne to the manger of Bethlehem. And throughout his whole life, he says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. It's available for all, but sadly, it's only received by those who are willing to take it. But let's move on. You see, in verse number 7, having taken the form of a slave, verse 8, being found in the likeness, the appearance of human flesh. That's not enough. He became obedient unto death. That is awesome and allow those words to sink down into your heart. He made himself with no reputation. Then he became obedient. This is the one all things obey him at his command. But out of that incredible longing for you and for me to transform our lives and to bring us back to himself, he became obedient to the worst form of suffering, agony and pain this world has ever known, not just to be crucified and rejected by his own, but the death of the cross. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, you come to know little about what it meant for him in the hours of darkness upon that cross of shame and suffering where he became judged completely in my place. And for all that I have ever done, he became obedient. You see, it wasn't the soldiers that took him. It wasn't the soldiers that really arrested him. When they came to arrest him in the garden, John's town is so beautiful. He says, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He quotes those beautiful divine words, his divine title. I am. Even though he made himself of no reputation in his moment of need when they think they've got him. With those words, they fall backwards away from him on their faces to the ground. It wasn't the nails that held him at the cross. It was that incredible love for you and me. Jesus, knowing all things that were about to come upon him, went forth. And he, bearing his cross, the one who should bear the glory for all eternity, he bore the shame and the cross and the suffering and the separation and the wrath of God that I deserved for you and me. And I trust that's the reason why we're here tonight. He is everything. 
And the Apostle Paul will develop this, that it's the gospel of Christ. It leads into the mind of Christ. It leads into the knowledge of Christ. It brings us into the sufficiency of Christ. He becomes everything in our lives. But what I want to challenge you with tonight is this. How do we respond to that? You see, for many years, I read this book. And I knew it mentally somewhat and intellectually. But I will never forget that one evening I read it on my own. And those words just came like an arrow into my heart. Lord, that's what you did for me? Dear friends, sorry, we are nothing in this world. We're just like the grain of sand on the seashore. And yet, my name was upon his heart when he made himself of no reputation. When he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I'm not going to tell you my response, but I'm just throwing it out for you. What will your response be? Because one day, that same one who made himself of no reputation, who willingly obeyed the death of the cross, will be the one before whom I will stand to give an account. He will say, I did this for you. Can you imagine the immensity of that moment? To see him in all his glory and honour and praise. The whole heaven is about him. Yet that is the one who made himself of no reputation. Who became obedient unto death. And read further down this section. Verse 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. Not in terms of being saved from the penalty of sin. No, how is this now going to be worked out in your life based upon the mind, the attitude of Christ? Because young people, and I'm going to appeal to you tonight, we only have one life. And it will soon be passed. Sorry, the grey hairs tell their story. I still think I'm, I'm in my 30s, but this tells another story. Life is brief. And it's passing. Will you willingly lay down your life for the one who gave everything for you? He made himself of no reputation. He astonished many people in his life. And a number of times he said this, the one who exalts himself or herself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself or herself will be exalted. And John the Baptist, when he heard some of those words, he said this, He must increase. He must become more and more important. I must decrease and become less and less important. You see, you really find life in its true meaning, when you find Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul says, for me, the whole purpose of life is Christ. But also to die. That's so much better, being with him and like him for all eternity.
I'm not supposed to share much more than that. I think that's enough for tonight. And we'll move into Zambia. If we're still up and running? I think we're good now. Okay, wonderful. It's, it's not Zambia yet, brother. Now we have a brief interview, and I'll make it briefer than it is. I think I'll cut it off just a little bit earlier than we had it. And this is with Tim Marcy, a missionary to uh, Japan. Tim, thanks so much for joining us for our mission weekend. It's wonderful to be there with you. Our times have gotten coordinated so that we're able to meet halfway around the world like this. And we're looking forward to what you have to share with us. Let's just have a word of prayer as we start our time. Father, just thank you for Tim taking the time to be with us and to share with us the ministry that you've given to himself and Christiane, their dear little boy, Kento. We just ask your blessing upon them. And thank you for this time of being able to talk face to face and look forward to Tim's uh, letting us know how the Lord is using them there. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Tim, as I'd mentioned, I'm going to give just a quick geographic orientation to folks, and I'll do that through the screen share. And so we'll sure. do it this way. And Tim, make sure that you make any corrections uh, that I'm messing up on as far as uh, the geography is concerned. So folks that are here with us this weekend, we're looking at uh, this great continent of Asia. And we're going to be looking at a set of major islands that are off the eastern coast of Asia, and that would be Japan. Here are the four great islands of Japan, Honshu, Hokkaido, Kyushu, and Shikoku. I don't know how I'm doing at pronunciations, Tim, but those would be the islands. And then the area of Japan that we want to look at is here on Honshu, and particularly this area of Nagano, Komoro. Did I say those right, Tim? Yes. The arrow's arrow's pointing to those spots, and that's where the Marcy's are living. And so we look forward to having Tim share with us and share the information that he has and just trusting for God's blessing on our conversation together. Tim, I've sent you the questions that I have for you in advance, and I know uh, they're broad, and to answer them in a short period of time will be difficult, but we'll do our best as we're here. We've rejoiced to see the building of your home and of other buildings there in your property and of the work that you've done with a variety of people. Uh, We thank the Lord for the adoption of Kento into your family and uh, both the challenges and the blessing that's brought to you. And... Uh, Please tell us about your ministry there to the folks in Nagano. Uh, First, let me share with you that we have another child with us. Uh, His name is Ryohei. He's 16 years old, and he joined us almost exactly a year ago. So he's been with us a year. He grew up in a facility, a hospital facility, with spina bifida, and wanted to spend his three high sc- years of high school in a normal home and attend a normal high school rather than the school that's part of the hospital. So uh, he joined us a year ago and um, has two more years left. Um, he There's a lot to share about him, but uh, he's a fine young man and uh, is 
hearing the gospel on a weekly basis uh, at our uh, assembly, our church, and uh, from us as well. Tim, just let me get the pronunciation. Diohe? It's like the trilled R in Spanish. So it's this uh, like that, Diohe. But it's difficult to say, so we just tell people to say uh, Roy Hay if they have difficulty with it. Very good. Thanks for letting us know that. Yes, so uh, the introduction of our ministry or explanation of our ministry to the people of Nagano uh, is not an easy task uh, because the history of the dynamics of of, um, missions work here that history is very complex. Uh, so what's happened over the past centuries here is that for 250 years, Christianity was suppressed by the government, outlawed, and um, you know, on, on the pain of death, uh, a person showed interest in Christianity. So that 250 years of, of suppression of Christianity, uh, even though now with freedom of religion down on the books in in the Constitution, even with that, that history of suppression remains in the hearts of the people. So that they're very apprehensive, not only about Christianity, any other, any religion foreign to uh, Shintoism and Buddhism, the two main religions of Japan, but particularly uh, they have an apprehension toward Christianity because of the, the government's stance toward it during the 250 years of uh, feudal government uh, that ended in, in 1867. So I, I really needed to explain that because on a daily basis, we face this, this unspoken sort of uh, invisible, uh, massive barrier to uh, gospel work. And that barrier uh, has meant that since the true gospel was introduced in Japan back in the... Uh, mid 19th century so the for the toward the uh, the um end of the 1800s since that time the number of genuine believers in Japan has remained uh, around or below uh, 1% of the population right now it's 3 tenths of 1% so with all that that background just summarized like that um you can begin to understand uh, the difficulty difficulty we have in sharing our faith with the Japanese. They have a, their arm is out like this. They're, they're born and raised to stiff arm Christianity, to resist it, uh, you know, tooth and nail. So we, what we need to do is show them that Christianity as taught in the Bible is not something to be feared. Christianity as a, as a system of belief, is not something to be feared. Uh, so we have to overcome that uh, obstacle by building trust with the people. But that's not the only uh, obstacle uh, that we have here as as missionaries. Probably the that's probably the biggest one. But the, after that, um, we have the problem of pluralism. And very simply, pluralism means that you, in the Japanese philosophy of life, you can believe two opposing truths at the same time. There's no, in their minds, no conflict between two opposing truths. 
So at school, they learn Darwinism, which teaches there is no God. And then they have a general belief that there are gods around them uh, in Shintoism and Buddhism. It is a um, uh, those two religions uh, teach that there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of of so-called gods around them. So at the same time, they believe both that there are no gods, that there is no God, and that there are gods. And that's not a problem for them. That's part of the Asian um, uh, view of the world. And it's very strong here in Japan. So that as we, you, you can imagine what that means for us, because the gospel is exclusive. There is no other way of salvation outside of Jesus Christ. So we are presenting an absolute truth, something that grates on their uh, psyche. They they cannot handle the idea that that they that there is only one way to think. They always need to leave room for a plur- plurality of ideas or or thoughts or tr- even what they would call truths, even though that makes no sense to us with our biblical worldview. So. We, we talk about God, we talk about sin, we talk about man, and every, every single concept that we bring onto the table, uh, they find extremely foreign. Because they have, they have no concept, uh, of absolute truth teaching about the Bible, for instance, you know, that this, which is our absolute truth, uh, teaching about who God is. They have no scriptures that they refer to in Shintoism and Buddhism on a daily basis. Um, they have no concept of what biblical sin is, uh, what sin, as the Bible teaches, is, um, or who man is as a creature created by God with a specific purpose, uh, Adam falling in disobedience to God and um, bringing the entire human race into uh, bondage to sin and death. They have no concept of that. And that is where you, those those points are the points from which you begin to explain the gospel, the solution, the uh, remedy, the um, uh, effectual, effectual work of Christ in saving individuals from eternal condemnation. Now I'm going to be with you like I am with the King's Club. If you want to find out more, you have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have this uh, for... Wednesday night uh, continued. It's about 20 more minutes of interview with Tim. Uh, I would like us to have uh, just a word of prayer here. Now, Andy, I'm going to unplug and then plug back into Tim's computer. Just as we hear the challenges that Tim has presented to us regarding the work that he has there, you'll be fascinated by what it is the means by which they now encounter people there in Japan. And uh, he said very particularly, what you have to have is you have to have both of you interested in the same thing. He said, for instance, we offer English classes. For those that are interested in English, uh, we have something that we have in common. So that's where we can share the Lord. He said, uh, inviting people to a meeting, unless they have interest in being there at that meeting, there's no way that they're going to come. And so I said, well, what is it that you do, Tim? He says, well, the Lord's provided ways. He said the two specific ways. Uh, Kento, their little son that was uh, adopted earlier, 
uh, he has physical and intellectual challenges. And uh, you heard about uh, their son, Rohe, that has the challenge of spina bifida. He said, the Japanese are so amazed that we have invited these children into our home and that we're raising them. They have rejected these children and they try to put them away out of sight. And so it fascinates the people and what they do is they want to know why is it that you're having these children in your home. The contacts that they have with doctors, with nurses, with hospital personnel, with social workers, with other people that have children like these children, that has afforded them tremendous opportunities in spreading the gospel to those folks and they're interested. Uh, One lady in their neighborhood said, you have accepted children that we as Japanese have rejected. We're frankly ashamed of ourselves, but so thankful for you. Mm-hmm. Let's have just a word of prayer for Tim and Christian. Dear Father, we thank you for this couple who is laboring there in Japan. Mm-hmm. Dear Lord, it's later on in the tape. How our hearts rejoice at the answers to prayer. They have asked for a long time, for years, Father, for others to come and join just one other couple. And now, Lord, you've blessed them with two other couples that are going to come and be there in Nagano and work with them. And, Father, we just pray for the establishment of a strong Christian testimony for these couples working together and moving forward. And so we just commit them to you. Thank you for the testimony that they have and this perspective that we have on witnessing there in Japan. We just commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tim has uh, just whetted our appetite for having more ministry from him. We're looking forward to a report about the things now. I, I can't resist uh, Joy Logan this year. Uh, seeing how Joy sat in pews uh, back there, right about where she is now with her older sister and her younger brother. Is that correct? Yeah. And her dad was up here, and he had, first of all, he threw out a snake skin that was about 20 feet long, and then he pulled out a big bone, a femur bone of an elephant, and put that out for us. And he was telling her about a story that a lion was coming up and the lion was sneaking up like that. And we all jumped off. That was just wonderful. <laughs> and so just the joy of having uh, one of the Logans here. And there's a connection with the Hawthorns. And that is uh, your brother Sam was at Bethany Bible Chapel with Jane and with uh, Steve and with Mary. And uh, so uh, we thank the Lord for that connection. It's there as well. Tim, we look forward to your report to us this evening. For the rest of our time together, I would just like to share something of what God is doing in Zambia. Um, if you like more details, my wife will fill you in on the background. She went as a single, although she was brought up in Zambia. She went back having taught in the States for some years in '96. Um, I went from England as a single in 97. We were working in different places, but that wasn't enough for God. He said we needed to be together. So that's a whole story, and it's a roller coaster story, and you can, you can hear about that later. Um, but yeah, so let me just share with you a little bit. If you don't know where Zambia is, it's in central southern Africa. It's landlocked by seven, eight different countries, and we were privileged to serve just about here. Joy was at Zambezi. Um, this is a little place called Loloma, Maninga, and it's fairly rural area, although it's getting more and more built up. 
Um, if you love children, you're going to love Africa. But you have to live in a goldfish bowl. Everybody's looking at you and watching you, and that's just how life is there. You either live with it or you don't get over it. Um, but on the flip side, there are also many elderly people who are really in need. One of the things, perhaps it being at a mission station, mission hospital, death is just a part of life. Every week we can attend one or two funerals, and this is a big event in African society. And it's a great event to present the gospel. Um, the places we tend to move in, this would be something like a typical rural village, and people are interested. We are blessed. There's not this huge breakdown you've got to get over as in Japan. Just pray for Tim and Marcy. That is a tough, tough field. Um, Whereas in places like Africa and possibly Bolivia, the gospel is presented and people receive it. Uh, You may wonder why ladies, for instance, carry things on their heads. Well, they've then got their hands free and they carry things on there. But we're going to that story another time, if you like, because you can imagine... The end of life, as for these dear old ladies, they have major back problems from all of their work and labor. Um, now they also eat maize in Shima, but typically cassava, it's a root crop and a leaf crop. And once you harvest it and you grind it into meal, then you stir it into this big pot. And we call it in Shima. And that becomes your staple twice a day for the rest of your life. And if you're a Zambian and you haven't eaten that, you haven't eaten You can have rice, you can have... No, I haven't eaten today, because that's food. Everything else is not real food. Um, So it will be served something like this, this big mound in the middle here, and you can get your way through that with a relish, typically leaves sometimes, some sort of meat as well, so a very typical meal. I'm stunned by God's creation, and people don't see it. In Africa, the sunsets are glorious, that's the result of chance, random processes? Sorry, that's incredible design. But for five or six months of the year, does it rain? And then for seven months, you get no rain whatsoever. And it just comes harder and harder and harder. Now, I probably should go into stories for the children, but if you want stories, see me later. I'm happy to tell of snake stories, all that sort of thing. This one is dead. Um, typically we'd have the spinning cobra, or this one is a forest cobra, lives by the water, and yes, they're dangerous. Um, so a gun is always the way to deal with them. Um, still keep in mind crocodiles. It's still an issue. People go to the rivers to collect water, to wash pots and pans themselves. Sadly, just two weeks ago, close by us, a lady in her 30s was caught by a crocodile horrific wound on her leg. We're still not sure how she's doing. Um, So tough. All the way down to the tiny things in life. Army ants. Who have the ability to crawl over you without you even knowing and suddenly they bite and you want to be on your own because you just want to strip off and get rid of those guys because they are painful. Um, All the way down to another type of ant that destroys your home. It's lovely in the West here, you build with all this nice timber. In Africa, that wouldn't last a few months. The ants would just eat it up. Um, But I can tell you stories. But amazing design. 
I won't go into details. That is a complicated city. It just looks random. Well, actually, inside, they keep that air conditioned just for their home. Amazing details there. Um, chameleons, incredible. But in Africa, superstition. You have a chameleon, people will run. You're going to die, you're going to die. Well, thankfully, I'm still here 25 years later. But don't be a spiritual chameleon. Don't just fit in with whatever. Stand up for the Lord. Always the greatest thing. Um, at times, going to Lusaka, the capital, 13, 14 hours drive, we cross a couple of pontoons on the way. And when you get into the game parks, it goes without saying, elephants have the right of way. We have been chased once by an elephant. We'll tell you the story if you want later. Not a nice experience. Um, in the bush roads where we move, chainsaws are wonderful. <laughs> They've changed our life. Because you come across something like this with an axe several hours, and you finally break through a chainsaw. Ten minutes, you're on your way again. Praise God for chainsaws. Uh, and for children who are starting to help. Um, when you get a flat tire, this is obviously on the way back from town. We're loaded with supplies for hospital, workshop, all that sort of thing. And the children are there to help as well. Driving in the rainy season, very interesting. I never expected Africa to be like that. Africa's hot and dry. Well, for four or five months of the year, it rains, and it rains. And if you get stuck, even four-wheel drive isn't really going to do the thing. You just dig and dig, and eventually you get out. So lots of maintenance at the workshop. My background is engineering. I wasn't a mechanic, but you have to get into all that sort of thing. Um, praise God for local people. I mentioned this lad at the end. He's now a huge help in the workshop and other things. God can do amazing things. It's not about us. It's about him. Um, other people have been blessed to be trained just in hospital maintenance, etc. A couple of times a year, this is like, wow, especially our kids. You get supplies from overseas right to your doorstep. You don't have to drive 13 hours or 8 hours to get something. It's boom, it's right there. And just an amazing thing. Um, just the practicalities of life. You know, How many times in the States you offload a tanker with 1,700 litres of diesel? Well, you have to do it. That's your diesel supply that we run our vehicles on. God blessed us with an airstrip in 2007. It's come with a lot of maintenance issues, but it has saved people's lives. Just to be able to evacuate them, fly them 30, 40 minutes to another hospital has been a lifesaver for a number of people. Our kids get into all sorts of projects, making little houses for the preschool, hospitality, always many opportunities. You don't struggle with friends in Africa. Friends, you have to limit them, otherwise you'll just get a houseful all the time. Um, this is a lady, an unsung story in the West. She's put in over 50 years to the medical work. And now she's struggling with her eyesight, her hearing. Kara, bless her, would go around to read to her regularly just to help her. She loved the dogs, that was her. The boys, they get trained in all sorts of things. Um, chainsaws, he loves to make little boats and sail them on the Maningo River. David, he will make anything from ice cream to charcoal just to make a bit of money. <laughs> Be careful he's not here tonight, otherwise he'll get you money in one way. <laughs> Quite a business guy. Um, but he loves with his hands, working in the workshop and at times, teamwork, all that sort of thing. And one thing you'll probably recognize about Zambia, one of the seven wonders of the world. Praise God, in COVID, for the first time, God opened the way for us to take our children to Victoria Falls. God is amazing. And when you go there, it's wow, wow, wow. We have an amazing God. 
So what would I like to share with you tonight, just a number of items, and please, I'm going to overload you, I understand that, but just focus on one item or remember a couple of items and pray, because that is the greatest partnership, to be in prayer for the work of the Lord. Children's work, um, Keomba Boarding School, Camp and Conference Centre, Outreach and Church Teaching, a radio ministry, medical work at the hospital, helping the elderly. Um, as someone said, when you become a missionary, you don't have a job description. It's whatever God brings across your doorstep. And it's sometimes not what you're going to do, it's more like, what are you not going to do? Especially in places where there's so much openness. Sunday school, often inside the church building or sometimes in a tent. Ah, it's just great to be with those guys early every Sunday morning and just pour God's word. They're open, they're willing, they want to listen. And I think that's one of the challenges. Some people say, why in Zambia? They have lots of missionaries as well. They have lots of open doors. People are wanting to listen, but sorry, your argument is not with me. I'm just the servant, it's with the sender. And where God sends is where you go. Break up into many classes. I can go into all sorts of details about that. Um, have a beautiful preschool for 20 years. Just training for two years. These four to six-year-olds, they come two hours a week. Sorry, two hours each day, five days a week. And they get introduced to the Word of God. It's just a great place to go when you've got a bit of time. And at the end of every year, we get the parents together, share the Word of God, give them some prizes. It's just a wonderful opportunity. Quick prayer pointer. It's being closed at the moment. I've discussed that with you because our teacher has been taken away by the government somewhere else and we don't have a teacher. Just pray for that need. We want that school open again next term, God willing. Um, children's clubs, just so many opportunities. Joy with young ladies, study just out in the backyard. They come and you feed God's word into their hearts. Um, this is an awesome one. Details, again, I can give you. From 2009, God worked on this project to enable a memorandum of understanding to be signed with the government to allow a public boarding school to be church-managed with the desire they want quality education on a spiritual foundation. When does that happen in the West? But the opportunities are there in Africa, and they want more of that. And so since 2015, God has proved to us that key verse, be still and know that I am God. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about God. And you see this church board interfaces with the government to say, we want this administrator, we want that administrator, we want this teacher and that teacher. But by the way, you're paying the salary. You know, they're on the government payroll. And this is an amazing um, understanding. It should be 350 students. This is Africa with 390 at the moment. A whole miracle. It started with 13 pupils in the bush. And that's the school of excellence, having run for eight years. You think we're quite remote? Well, this is another 60 miles into the bush. Major problems with water, with power, with transport. But God is at work. He's not limited by those sorts of things. And you suddenly come into the bush, one of the blessings of the Chinese in Africa, they've built this beautiful school. And it's all equipped. It's there. They just wanted a church to run it. These two people, praise God for them. The principal, vice principal. 
the previous principal was retired, he poured his heart into that work. And it's partly down to him what it is now. You see at the bottom, be still and know that I am God. That's the basis for the school. He is still the same today. Some of the teachers, auxiliary staff, imagine every morning all pupils come together for a spiritual devotion to start the day. Now you think that's good? How about this one? Every Sunday morning, every pupil comes to the local church building to listen to the gospel being presented. You don't get fired up about that? That is incredible. You write, you get there late, there's no seat. Some of the local Christians, there's no seat, they're too late because all the students are packed into that building. It's not only going this way, by the way, it's a T at the front as well, so there's lots of space on either side. Just amazing opportunities. Um, because of the power problems, God blessed us to put in a solar power system to provide for lights and some of the freezers, etc. But just praise God for lives that have been transformed during those eight years. God is doing things with people who go to that school. And the parents say, what's up with my child? They're different. They used to be with the mob. They come home at holiday season. They want to study. That's God. He's at work. Um, Camp and Conference Centre, just 10-50 minutes from where we are. Six camps each year for students from high school from grade 8, sorry, grade 7 to grade 12. And each time you get 150, 200 kids for three or four days over a weekend. Just to present the truth of God to them. And this is just a typical example. And then they leave grade 12 and say... But we can't come back again. What are you going to do? Well, you make a college camp, so anyone can come. And they come back again for a couple of days each, each year to listen to the Word of God. Yes, they have their free time sport. Yes, there's all the practicalities. Um, but then the same centre has about five or six conferences for the local churches in the area to attend, typically each five days. And just a <coughs> wonderful teaching opportunity to get teaching out to the lives of these believers. So great opportunity at Samathunda. One of the things that fires me up that I am missing. <laughs> How do you fish in the West? In Africa, the fish want to be caught. In the West, they don't. Um, so village outreach is a wonderful opportunity. Don't expect them to come in. You go out to them. And Christ says, go into all the world. Don't just sit and ask them to come. And... In Africa, like everywhere, there's so much false teaching, so much misunderstanding. And when someone can't read, what do they believe? Anything they hear. But the wonderful fact is, most Zambians are willing to listen, to communicate, to discuss about these matters. So we have these wonderful opportunities. I mentioned briefly one of the charts we use. These are just some of the men. I won't go through the details We've been blessed to work with for 15 years or so with these men in village work. And they're committed, even though we're not there, they're there and they're continuing this work. We meet together Monday afternoon, pray together, go to the different area and then split up into groups of two people and just share from village to village. Now we've found the visible presentation is very powerful, especially for people who don't read. But they see it. I'd love to take you through this whole chart, but just very quickly, you've got on the left, 
you've got the years of here and now. It's temporary, it's passing. On the right, you've got eternity over here. And what's in between? Death. You see, we don't see beyond death with these physical eyes. We need someone from eternity to come into time to explain eternity to us. And Jesus Christ did that. And he didn't only explain it to us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the open door from the broad road to the narrow way. And you present that. And they get it. It's not about the church. It's not about what this person says. It's what the scripture says. And you ground it on scripture. And God does his work. We're in a place where you can never give out enough literature. Kids just love it. And demand it all the time. Just to get something to read. How about starting with the word of God? And then for me one of the blessings is when you can get away for four or five days to a remote place. You're not distracted by anything else. The workshop, the hospital, whatever it is. And you're just there in the villages with these people. And praise God again for a team of people we've worked with for years. And you spend time with them. Last year I was blessed to get back to Zambia. We went to a place, took us 13 hours drive to get there because the roads are really bad. This is a place we visited for conferences but never gone in the villages. And it was just a huge blessing to be with those people and hear they are meeting us and just had a great time together. These are some of the men we've worked with in that work. Praise God for them. They're living for the Lord. May God keep and preserve and use them. We start early in the morning, 6.30, prayer meeting, Bible study. The whole day is then taken up with reaching out into the villages, people into the car, so it's overloaded. This is Africa, not America. You just take people and you go. And you just go from place to place and there's interest and there's interest. And sometimes you come across, this is a neat group of kids. They were there first before the adults got. Just wanting to hear. And you imagine, I don't know, count them, 10 kids here, sharing 10 or 15 minutes this amazing message. They're not going to forget that. Especially when it's from this weird white guy who shouldn't speak their language. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's amazing. And by, that's grace alone, not me. How you ever learn that language? That's of the Lord. And then in the evening, wherever we've been working through through the day, we find a common point, and we show the Jesus DVD in their own language, which draws them. It's not English where they hear a bit or not. They get it in their own language. And after that, it's about a two-hour session, um, we then share a short gospel message. And that can go on for a time. People have questions and questions and questions. And the joy of being able to present the truth of God's word. Church teaching, a huge need. Discipleship. It's a day-by-day process, building little by little, little by little. We often say that in our area, don't be shocked by this, these are small local assemblies. About 50 different local assemblies we visit within a radius of two hours drive. Because most people in the villages don't drive. So in their local area, they would have a church. And you go there to help and to teach them. A huge need. So most Sundays... I'd be away with different Zambian young men encouraging them to visit and encourage these people. And they love you to go. Oh, you're here. Thank you so, so much. They're just so appreciative. Um, Conference opportunities. One of the blessings where we are in the local assembly, it's grounded. Yes, every church has its problems, but these men are spiritually grounded, raised up by the Lord. Work closely with them, but they understand most of the time on Sundays we're out elsewhere. So it may be an assembly like this on the town road, maybe something very rural like this. 
the place doesn't matter, it's the person. You're meeting together surrounding the person of Jesus Christ. It may be a local conference just in our own area. How many of you have been to a conference outside under the trees? Actually, it's not that distracting. It's great, isn't it? You know, people are there because they want to be there. You don't sit there if you don't want to be there. And again, we've had great opportunities, all sorts of topics. Been through two different years with them on this chart because it's a wonderful teaching tool to present what the Bible really teaches for them. Now, a couple of years ago, this just explains to you, a local radio station was started right on our village area. Everybody else pays to go on the radio. But because the local people know us through the hospital, and we've been there a long time, can you just speak on it? You don't pay any, please. We just want you to speak and present the gospel. How many times that happened in America or England? How do you say no to something like that? They give you a 30-minute time slot every week to present the gospel in their own language. And this is going out, by the way, a radius of 20, 25 miles. And I'm amazed sometimes when people call in, wow, you heard it all the way over there. We're blessed. Mission Hospital, I never went to be part of the Mission Hospital. But how can you not be part of the Mission Hospital? It's because of the Mission Hospital we have our acceptance in the village. It's what Jesus began to do and to teach. And it's the practical that provides the foundation for the spiritual. And this is God's faithfulness for 65 years. So many spiritual opportunities. We serve now a community of about 90,000 people or more. A huge area. Most staff members are now employed by government. We have this partnership. Um, But I'd love to take the whole evening and explain that team to you. That's God. Ten years ago, we didn't have a doctor. We didn't know the future of the medical work, but God did. There was those dear sisters like Marion and Daisy passing on what happens next. We don't know, but God does. And over those years, he's put together this management team. We now have three doctors, this gentleman, this gentleman, this gentleman. We now have our own local hospital director, nursing officer, administrator. That's God. And they're running that place. Now you imagine a hospital here in the West, you go on Monday morning to have a devotion with the staff. How many times does it happen? And you go back Friday morning and have a devotion with them again. And at times you have nursing students visiting the hospital for several weeks. They will come and hear the word of God as well. It's just a wonderful opportunity. And then for all the patients... They get the gospel on a public address system morning and evening. COVID thought it had us. We only did it in the morning. We weren't allowed to go in the evening to speak to the patients. So why don't we use the public address system? Wonderful. God always finds a way to present his truth. So fairly old infrastructure. It's gradually being renewed. About 120 beds. 2017, God gave us a new operating theater. Currently, there's two new wards under construction. This is a multi-purpose. This is a new male ward. And the possibilities there are endless just to use this ministry for the Lord. Again, we're blessed. We buy certain medicines within the country. But we have a company in England, Medical Missionary News. They supply a couple of times a year medicine if you order in advance and pay. And it's like a blessing. Because to get it locally, you can if you have the time. And I go into all that later if you have a question. What quality of medicine do you want? 
you want the expensive one, the kind of half expensive or the cheap one? Well, if you're not a medical person, you go for the cheap one. Or you may as well take, you know, peanuts or whatever you want, but there you go. Um, busy outpatient department all the time. Patients brought in from the area. You imagine sending your ambulance to get a maternity patient. They can't even get there. That's the condition of the road sometimes. But the blessing of new life. One of my favorite departments, I love the whole hospital. And by the way, if you're there as a mission, you can go anytime, anywhere within that hospital. You have an open ear. There's always an open door. Um, one of my favorite departments is the maternity department. New life. Dear friend, you tell me there's no God. You look at that newborn baby, a perfect creation, fully developed. I won't go into all the details. That is incredible. The mother has no idea what's going on inside, but God does. He knits them together in their mother's womb. Wherever you go, people are there, opportunities to witness. And often, one-on-one, people are interested, and you can discuss one-on-one the Word of God. One of the blessings you may hear of Zambia, we have Chitokoloki Hospital, Chivuma, Dipalada, Mambalima, Noloma, um, Kalani was there. We're now meeting together as hospitals to share the same vision because we're in the same issues and that's the work of God. Um, Village for the Elderly um, started over 25 years ago. It's a safe refuge for those who are either accused of witchcraft. Not sure Bolivia, but certainly Africa. Witchcraft is under the carpet. It's always there. You visit, you don't realize, you don't know, especially if you don't know a language, but it's there, the fear factor from this side upwards. And you can not really explain it in Western terms. You've got to be brought up in that environment to understand its grip and its hold. And sadly, it often falls on the older people. I can give examples later if you have questions. Or perhaps just people who have no one able or willing to look after them. So this is like an amazing practical way to show the love of God. We have typically 20, 25 people being cared for. This is nothing beautiful in the West. This is basic accommodation. Five different housing areas where they each have their own little room, share a common kitchen, but some really moving stories. And again, if time permits, another time I can share some of them. But they always love a visit. And just sitting down, spending the time of day, sharing something with them, praying with them, just transforms their day. And God provides for their needs each month, just their basic diet and other things, soap, etc. The Lord takes care of them, and that is a wonderful ministry. I would just mention this. I shouldn't go into lots and lots of details. When we left in 2021, this was an unanswered need. Who's going to continue that work? Well, God does. But two of the key men who have been involved in it came to see me one day and in their language said, can we just talk with you? Sure. We have seen for years the impact of this work and we know what it means to you. You don't need to worry. We're not looking for compensation. We will continue that work for the honor of the Lord without even asking or seeking. God, yeah, praise God. And they are committed to those people. Um, Often say Africa isn't really about projects, they're interesting, it's about people, it's about partnership. A project's here today, gone tomorrow. hundred years from now, will this building still be here? Don't think so. 
a hundred years from now, everyone saved by the precious blood of Christ will be eternally surrounding his throne with praise and worship. And Africa's about people. I could go into details about this young man's life. First met in teaching in school in 98. He's now qualified with his own degree as a teacher and helping with the Sunday school work. This is a wow story. He's from a, a remote village area, but committed to his schooling, who became a nurse, and now he's a hospital director. Don't limit God. It's not about me or you, it's about God, what he can do. It is no secret what God can do. And we praise God for him. He's just got a great spiritual attitude. I just throw out something. He contacted me a couple of months ago. Said, oh, by the way, yeah, we just had a two or three day seminar teaching local believers here how to reach out to patients in the hospital. I asked him to do that. So, no, no, no. This is from his heart, serving the Lord in his own area, seeing the transforming power of the gospel. Um, you wonder I could spend the whole evening on him. Praise God, a hard background. But he came to know the Lord. We were still doubtful, because sometimes we are. I don't think we really want you here. He says, I'm not the person I used to be. I'm different. And he has proved it. He is so reliable, a backup for years. And he's continuing in the work of the Lord, despite huge spiritual challenges at the moment in his life. He's standing for the Lord. Just pray for Joanna if you forget everybody else. Charles and Joanna, pray for them. God's using them. So many people, Mary, met her at school. Bless her, widowed with four children. But now she's a teacher. And she's rejoicing, joyful in the Lord. They're special, hard to lead. Cappy, I'll finish with him. This is a young lad. He used to catch me out. He's one of a twin. And they're identical. And I used to teach the school for 20 years or so. Great opportunity. And I couldn't figure this out. Why am I in this class and also in this class? Tight lip, nothing. They would say, enjoying this. And then one break time... Oh, your twins! And they just fall about laughing. You know, they've come this to be a blessing. But both of them came to know the Lord. And this young man, oops, sorry, at one of the boys' camps, saved from a Catholic background, what has God done with him? He took him to college first to train as a teacher, then to get his degree in science. And now at that church-managed boarding school, he is the head of department in science. Praise God. Just committed to that work. It is no secret what God can do. I should stop. I hope you've just got one or two points from that. But Zambia is still an open door, but for how long? Things are starting to change. The West is starting to make inroads, demands, all that sort of thing. But praise God for the many special opportunities and the dedicated teams of believers. It was hard to leave, but God's still there. And he's at work in the lives of so many people. So just pray for God's ongoing work of building his church there. He says, I will build my church. He's the builder, not you or me. And the gates of hell will never prevail. We're on the winning side. Thank you so much. I think I should stop there. I haven't got a watch here, but that's probably time. Any quick questions or comments, or we can speak later? Thanks, Sue. I had a chance to visit some 
missionary colleagues in Zambia in, I think, 2008, and there was some mention at that time that, that Saudi Arabia and some of the Gulf states were investing a lot of money to promote Islam in Zambia, mm. um, to build mosques and things like that. Mm. Has that continued to be a, an issue? It has, Steve. Very quickly, I did some research 2003. I think there was about eight or nine mosques in Lusaka at that time. Now they're innumerable. They came into our area, which is a more remote area, so it just shows they're putting their fingers out, and did a whole trip through the area, spying out the land. We were able to talk with them, very interesting conversation. There was eight of them. Um, seven were Pakistanis, only one could speak English. And very sense of humor, they tried to con me to go to Pakistan to see how wonderful Islam is. <laughs> and we know people in Pakistan, but it's like, you know, no, we're here to make peace. Well, you need to know the peacemaker to make peace. But yeah, they're trying, really trying to make inroads. In Lusaka, they now have schools for children teaching Zambian kids Arabic. Pray. Pray. This is a thorn in Islam's side. They've always had control in northern Africa. And about 40, 50 years ago, there was a real mission for them to move into central southern Africa. They're not looking at tomorrow. They're counting 100 years from now. And they're just gradually infiltrating, building, getting set up. So please pray for that. Thanks. So is there any terrorist movement because of Thankfully not. And the comment I would normally make is don't judge Islam on its teaching when you see it in the minority. Judge Islam when you see it in the majority. So when they infiltrate a country, oh, we're peaceful, oh, we want to do this, we want to help. When they get majority, that's when you get things like Sharia law and all the other things that go with it. That's my limited experience, and I wouldn't claim to be a real expert. Because Zambia is open, it's open to everything, unfortunately. Thank you. Apologies, I'm an African, I'm taking too much time. Thank you so much, Phil. God bless you. Thank you so much. Ryan, let me just word prayer. Father, we just are thankful that we can be here this evening and. Um, listen to the work that you're doing uh, throughout the world, work that in lots of ways is very simple, it's person to person, it's just caring for others as you did when you came here, so uh, we're thankful that we can be about the work that you started in making disciples of you, not disciples of ourselves, making disciples of Jesus Christ and sharing them the good news that you came to die for our sins, to die and take our place, to take the the wrath that we should abhor, you took. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful that we bring this good news that others cannot bring. And so we pray that you would thwart these efforts of these other religions that are trying to to come and share other hope, false hope, and other things. Uh, Father, I, I pray that just as 
people would see the falseness of these religions and the truth in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the testimony of the believers there. Um, we are truly earthen vessels. We are fragile and weak and in our own way. And in our own strength, we're incapable of doing these things. But we're thankful this evening that we could hear about these things. We pray for the rest of the weekend. We pray for our brothers as they share with us and um, help us to be encouraged. Just either in any way that you want to encourage us here this weekend to, to spread your word to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.